0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Myth in the Mojave, a weekly half hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Svela. I live in Joshua Tree, and I'm pleased to bring this program to the high desert and beyond here on Radio Free, Joshua Tree. Last week I told part one of a Norwegian fairy tale called Valamon the White Bear King. I remarked on the similarities between this story and a couple of others that I've told on this program, namely the Maiden King and Psyche and Eros, and I suggested that these commonalities exist because the themes and the metaphors in these stories are archetypal. They are shared patterns in the psyche, part of our collective symbolic language. And while we don't always know exactly what they mean, they still contain both truth and significance for us. Re-educating ourselves about the way to enter the space of the story and to interpret this language is one purpose of this program. But we can feel their power if we allow ourselves to. Today's story and others that I mentioned uh, may revolve around an essential task that confronts each of us, the union of masculine and feminine energies in our own being. So without further ado, let's return to Valamon, the White Bear King, and we'll finish this story in this program today. As you might recall, the story began with a beautiful young princess who had an important dream, a life-changing dream, about a golden wreath. She felt that she could not live without this wreath. One day, she was walking in the woods, and she met a white bear who was playing with the very wreath from her dream, and they made a bargain. He would give her the wreath if she agreed to go with him. Her father, the king, tried to prevent this, but ultimately the beautiful young princess and the bear went away together And they lived happily together for three years, but for two things. One, she never saw him at night when he was in the form of a man. And two, every year the princess had a baby and the bear bear spirited the child away from her immediately. So after losing her children three years in a row, the princess becomes sad. She asks to visit her family, and the bear agrees to take her back to her father's palace. Only promise me, he says to her, that you won't listen to your mother. And the princess agrees. But when she's at home and she's telling her parents about the bear man and her life Her mom insists that she really needs to get a good look at this husband. And ultimately, the princess reluctantly accepts a candle stub and takes it back to the bear's palace with her. There's otherwise no light there, so without the candle, she wouldn't have been able to see him. So, here's where we rejoin the story. And once again, I invite you to relax and listen and Find your place in the story. Allow yourself to notice the details that speak to you and to contemplate the possibility that they held meaning for you in your life right now. Valamon, the White Bear King The first night that the princess was back at the bear's palace, after the bear man had fallen asleep, the princess lit the candle stub and took a good look at him. He was a very, very handsome young man, beautifully formed. She bent closer to him, and a drop of hot wax fell onto his forehead. He woke up with a roar and jumped from the bed. Oh, no, he cried. If only you had waited one more month. I could have been a man all of the time but now I must leave you and marry the troll hag who bewitched me in the first place. The princess was horrified at her error, and she cried, and she begged, and she begged, but to no avail. The bear could do nothing about the spell, and he turned back into a bear, and he prepared to run away into the forest. At the very last moment, the princess jumped onto his back and held tight. She rode the white bear for a long time, and the branches and the brambles scratched her face and tore at her hair and her clothes and At last she grew tired, and she fell off into the dry leaves. When she woke up, the princess was alone in the forest. The princess walked all day and all night at last, she came to a cottage. "'where there lived an old crone and a pretty little girl. "'Please tell me,' she said, "'have you seen anything of White Bear King Valaman?' "'Yes,' they answered, "'but he ran by here so fast "'that you won't catch up with him again.' "'The little girl was playing with a pair of golden scissors. "'Strips of silk and velvet flew about when she clipped the air. "'Wherever the scissors were, there was no lack of clothing. "'I think,' the little girl said to the crone, that we should give this poor woman the scissors. She has many hard miles to travel and needs them more than I do. The crone agreed, and they gave the golden scissors to the princess. The king's daughter said her thanks and then set off through the forest again. She walked all day and all night. At last she came to a cottage where there once again lived an old crone and a pretty little girl. "'Please tell me,' she said, "'have you seen anything of White Bear King Valamon?' "'Were you the one to have had him, perhaps?' asked the old woman. "'Yes,' said the princess. "'Well, yes, we saw him,' they answered.' But he ran by here so fast that you won't catch up with him again. The little girl was playing with the flask. Whenever she tipped the flask, out poured whatever drink they wanted. Cold water or iced tea or wine or a latte. (laughs) Wherever the flask was, there was no lack of drink. I think, the little girl said to the crone, that we should give this poor woman the flask. She has many hard miles to travel and needs it more than I do. The crone agreed, and they gave the flask to the princess. The king's daughter said her thanks, and then she set off through the forest again. She walked all day and all night. At last she came to a cottage where there once again lived an old crown and a pretty little girl. "'Please tell me,' she said, "'have you seen anything of White Bear King Valamon?' "'Were you the one to have had him, maybe?' asked the old woman. "'Yes,' said the princess. "'Well, yes, we saw him,' they answered. "'But he ran by here so fast that you won't catch up with him again.' The little girl was playing with a cloth. Whenever they said to it, "'Cloth, spread, and deck thyself with every good dish,' it did so. Wherever the cloth was, there was no lack of good food. "'I think,' the little girl said to the crone, "'that we should give this poor woman the cloth. "'She has many hard miles to travel.' and needs it more than I do. The crone agreed, and they gave the magical cloth to the princess. Now, the princess is obviously doing a lot of of walking, but is this hike in the woods the ultimate test, do you think? There's not really an obvious taskmaster here like Aphrodite and Psyche's story. I mean, I guess we haven't really met her yet. But... What drives the princess on, do you think? Why doesn't she just go back home to her parents now that the bear's gone? Is it love for Valamon, the white bear king, that's keeping her going? Or is it the mysterious sense of destiny that she might feel about the wreath and the bear and the role that she apparently plays in his fate? Is she trying to correct the wrong that it seems she committed by looking at him? before that final month was up. Who knows? Sometimes we just act out of a deep sense of necessity, even if we don't have a lot of faith in the outcome. In any event, the real test for the beautiful princess lies ahead. Right now, she's just collecting resources, gathering up resources from the archetypal feminine. The scissors, in particular, are a feminine symbol of transformation that is used to shape something new. But how are these gifts going to be put to use, I wonder? Okay, back to the story. The king's daughter said her thanks, and then she set off through the forest again. At last, she came to the foot of a steep mountain spur made of slippery glass, so high and so wide that she couldn't see an end to it. There was a cottage there, too, and another old woman. Please tell me, she said to the old woman, have you seen anything of White Bear King Valamon? Were you the one to have had him, maybe? asked the old woman. Yes, said the princess. Well, he rushed by here yesterday, the old woman replied, but he went so fast that I'm afraid you won't catch up with him. This cottage was full of ragged little children, and they all clung to their mother's apron strings and cried for food. Their mother put a pot of pebbles on the fire to boil. Hearing the sound of the water boiling assuages their hunger for a little while, she explained to the princess. The king's daughter immediately got out the cloth and the flask. When the children were fed and happy, she clipped out clothing for them. "'with the golden scissors. "'Thank you,' said the old woman. "'You've been so kind to us that we must help you. "'My husband is a metalsmith, and when he returns, "'I'll ask him to forge metal claws for your hands and feet "'so you can climb the mountain.' "'This she did, and when the husband came home, "'he fashioned the metal claws.' and the king's daughter, thus equipped, began her long climb up the glass mountain without delay. The princess crept and crawled up the mountainside the whole day and night. At just the moment when she thought she couldn't lift her hand one more time, she was so tired, she got to the top. There was a broad plain with fields and meadows and a castle filled with workers of every kind. There were masons, there were carpenters, there were men who worked in glass, there were potters, there were sculptors. The king's daughter went to the castle. What's going on here, she asked. This is the castle of the troll hag," they told her, the one who bewitched White Bear King Valaman. We're doing all of this work, they also said, because of their wedding. The Trollhag and White Bear Valaman are going to be married in just three days. Just three days, thought the princess. Well, she had obviously arrived just in time. This was not good news, but the king's daughter was not yet ready to give up. "'May I talk with the troll hag?' she asked. "'Oh, not likely. Impossible, in fact,' the workers said. "'The princess looked up at the castle. "'Then she sat down under a window and got out the golden scissors. "'Snip, snip, 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 snip. "'Soon the ground around her was covered with fine garments.' Silken clothing flew around her like a snow flurry. Well, the troll hag was upstairs, and she looked out of the window and saw this. She came down. How much do you want for those scissors? she asked. My tailors and seamstresses are working around the clock, but there are just too many to be clothed. The scissors are not for sale for money, answered the king's daughter, but I will trade them for one night with your sweetheart. Is that all? said the troll hag. Well, you can stay with him tonight. Come to the castle at 8 p.m. But the troll hag went to Valamon at 7 p.m. You better get your rest before our wedding night, my sweet prince, she said, and gave him a sleeping potion. That night, Valamon could not be roused no matter how the king's daughter shouted. I'm here, I'm here, she cried, and she shook him vigorously. But he did not hear her, and he did not wake up. The next day, The king's daughter sat outside the window again, and she started pouring from the flask. It flowed like a brook, both beer and wine, and it never ran dry. When the troll hag laid eyes on that magical flask, she wanted to buy it. How much do you want for that flask, she asked. They toil away at the brewing and distilling around the clock, But there are too many who need a drink. The flask is not for sale for money, answered the king's daughter. But I will trade it for one more night with your sweetheart. Is that all? said the troll hag. Sure, you can stay with him tonight. Come to the castle at 8 p.m. But again, the troll hag went to Valamon at 7 p.m. Our wedding night will be here soon, my sweet prince, she said. You better get your strength up. (laughs) And she gave him a sleeping potion again. So the princess had no better luck that night either. Valamon could not be roused, no matter how loudly she shouted and cried. He did not hear her. That night, however, a group of carpenters was working in the room next door, and they heard the crying and the shouting of the princess. The next day, they told the prince, uh, you know, we heard a woman weeping in your room last night, sir. Strange, strange, he replied, and he wondered to himself, Could it be that the princess was near she must have come, after all, the king's daughter, who was to have freed him. Now, the princess has managed to negotiate with the troll hag for two nights with valamon through the skillful use of the golden scissors and the flask, but it hasn't done her very much good, because both nights, the white bear king was in a deep, drugged sleep. But she has one card left to play, you recall, And perhaps her luck was about to change. The next day, the king's daughter sat outside the window again. When it was dinner time, she said, Cloth, spread thyself, and deck thyself with every good dish. Suddenly, there was enough food for a hundred men. When the troll hag looked out the window and saw this amazing feast, she wanted to buy the cloth. How much do you want for that cloth? she asked. They cook and bake around the clock, but there are way too many mouths to feed. The cloth is not for sale for money, answered the king's daughter. But... I will trade it for one more night with your sweetheart. Is that all? (laughs) said the troll hag, laughing. Sure, sure, knock yourself out. You can stay with him tonight. Come to the castle at 8 p.m. The troll hag went to Valamon at 7 p.m. again, but this time he was on his guard. When she handed him the potion, he said, "'Oh, look! What is that out the window?' And he poured the potion onto the rug when she turned to look. And then he feigned sleep. But the troll hag didn't trust the prince any further than she could throw him. She took a darning needle and stuck it through his arm to see if he was sleeping soundly enough. And this really, really hurt but he didn't move or make a sound. When the king's daughter came that night, the prince was wide awake, and they had a fine reunion. But now Valamon and the beautiful princess had to get rid of the troll hag before he would be free. This was the appointed wedding day. Now, Before the wedding, a grand procession was planned, and according to custom, the bride was going to be riding first. The procession crossed a bridge over a steep, deep chasm on its way to the palace and the place where the ceremony would happen, and Valimon got the carpenters to make a trap door on this bridge that the bridal procession was to cross. When the troll hag started across with all of her troll hag bridesmaids, the planks under them dropped open and they fell through. Down, 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 down to the bottom of the abyss. King Valamon and the princess and all of the wedding guests ran back to the castle. They took as much of the troll hag's wealth as they could carry and rushed back to his country to hold the real wedding. On the way, they stopped at the three cottages and fetched the three little girls who were children, the children of Valamon and the princess. Now the king's daughter knew why the white bear had taken them, so that they could help her find him when the time came. Back in their castle after the wedding, well, you know what happened. They all lived happily ever after. There's a great deal to digest in this story. The white bear, for example, is a very interesting symbol that, like the maiden king, kind of brings together the masculine and the feminine. Bears are known to be very maternal animals. And yet they are ferocious. The whiteness of the bear clues us in to his significance and to the fact that he belongs to another realm. White animals are always contact with something important to the psyche. They are always visitors. And the golden wreath that the princess dreamt of was the thing that propelled her to the next stage of her development. In this case, we've got a story that describes the path that both of them must take, but primarily it's the princess who does the journeying, who meets the crones, who has to open herself up to the reception of the masculine by rescuing him from his captivity by a negative instinctual energy. Now the thing that really attracts me, or catches me, I should say, in this story, and the same thing was true with the Ivan story, is the way that the bear, Valamon, falls asleep. You remember in The Maiden King, Ivan falls asleep because the the tutor sticks a pin in his tunic and he just, he allows himself to be fooled Three times. It's not until the maiden king leaves him a note and says, hey, you're being betrayed, that he understands what's going on. And this falling asleep is really interesting. When we hear it in a story, I think our natural inclination is to be frustrated by with the protagonist. Why are they falling asleep? Can't they see? Don't they know any better? But I think that detail is remarkably accurate in terms of how we usually handle the magical, that is the numinous, yes, I do love that word, when it enters our lives. How many times have you had an amazing, amazing epiphany, a moment of insight or contact with something that you know is life-changing only to promptly forget about it. I am hope that I'm not the only one who occasionally reads old journals or comes across letters or scraps from years past in my life, only to discover that some amazing things came to me that I somehow managed to just forget. Talking about this is making me think that I might want to tell an an. And a uh, Aztec or I know it's a Mayan story that Marvin Prechtel brought back. I might have to do that. It's another masculine-feminine story, but this this theme of forgetting—how we forget, how we let these things slip away. We're simply not ready for them. We're not ready to integrate what we're being shown into our lives. And hence, then, we have the story. We have the story of the arduous journey. We're told that the princess walks and walks and walks and walks, and Ivan walked and walked and walked. And and these quests always involve walking. Usually it's on foot. Sometimes maybe you have a horse, but usually walking because time has to pass. We have to endure day after day after day after day after day. A certain kind of monotonous uh, preparation to be ready to assimilate the thing that came to us in a real way, to take advantage of it, to be worthy of it in the language of heroes and heroism. How long did the princess walk? We don't know. She could have walked for a day, a week, a year, a decade three decades before she got to the Glass Mountain and was able to climb up and save her beloved from the troll hag. Well, this is where I'm going to stop today. That's it for me, Catherine Savella, and Myth and the Mojave for this week. I hope you enjoyed this story. You can find different versions of it online if you look. If you have questions about today's program or mythology in general, you can find Myth in the Mojave on Facebook. You can also contact me through my website, mythicmojo.com. I'll remind you also that if you Google Myth in the Mojave, you can find a blog that I've set up to house the archives of these programs. So if you haven't heard the couple of other stories that I'm mentioning, The Maiden King and Psyche and Eros, or if you'd like to hear this story again, you can go and find the audio files and uh, and take a listen on your own time. Radio Free Joshua Tree and Myth in the Mojave are made possible by generous donations from Joshua Treats Ice Cream, Pappy and Harriet's, Mojave Wi-Fi, Peterspur Realty, and listeners like you. Please support this unique community-based station by going to our website at www.rfjt.org and using the handy donate button to make a PayPal contribution to the station. Contributions of any size are very much appreciated. Special thanks to Travis Rosenberg for my theme music and to you for listening. Please tune in next week. And in the meantime, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life alive.